So, this morning you can just listen in as I read. Jesus left the desert and set about the great rescue. He was going to get God's people back. But first, he needed to find some helpers and friends. He had a lot to do. He would need some people to help him. Who do you think would make good helpers? Clever ones? Maybe rich ones? Strong, important ones? Some people might think so. But I'm sure that you know by now that you don't need me to tell you they'd be wrong. Because the people God uses don't have to know a lot of things or have a lot of things. They just have to need him a lot. One day Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee when he saw some brothers and friends mending their fishing nets. They were poor fishermen. Jesus called out to them, let's go. Peter, Andrew, James, and John looked up at this man on the shore, and they couldn't explain it. Their boats needed to be put away. Their nets needed mending. Fish were still wriggling on the shore. But something about this stranger made them just drop their nets, leave their fish, their boats, and everything, and follow him. This God-man was like no one they had ever met before. When they looked at Jesus, their hearts filled up with a wonderful forever sort of happiness, and inside it was like they were running free in an open field. Jesus asked 12 men to be his helpers, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, Matthew, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, another James, Simon, Thaddeus, and Judas. Meeting Jesus would change all of them forever. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, how are we? (laughs) So, let's start off with a question. Who can tell me what I am? A T-Rex. A T-Rex. How about any kids? Do you think I'm a T-Rex? Yes. Now, how do you know that? By my arms? What else? My teeth? What else? 
Maybe my tail? Can anybody tell me what a person is called that studies what I am, a dinosaur? You can shout it out. This is interactive. What are they called? Archaeologists. How about anybody that was uh, fans of a 90s sitcom? The most famous, this person in the entirety of the entire field. What, what, what is a person that studies dinosaurs? A paleontologist, right. Now, does anybody know how you become a paleontologist to study what I am? How would you become a paleontologist? Raise your hand. Tell me what you think would be involved to become a paleontologist. I'm trying to see hands. Okay, over here. How do you become a paleontologist? Go to school. You go to school to become a paleontologist, right. What else would you need to do maybe to become a paleontologist? What's that? Dig. You'd need to be a digger. Yes. You would need to dig. What else would you need to do to become a paleontologist? At the back there, yes. I'm sorry, I have a little fan that's inside of me. It's hard for me to hear. <laughs> Okay, yes. I actually looked on the internet, because you can trust everything that you find there this week, and found out that to become a paleontologist, first what you need to do is you need to become qualified. And so what that means is that you need to go to school. You have to do really well in high school, and then you need to go, and you need to do pretty well in college and university. You then, after you get an undergrad, need to go and get a master's degree in something else, which would then take you another roughly two to four years. And then after that, you also have to do some on-the-job training and try to find an internship to become a good paleontologist. I mean, there's a lot involved to becoming a paleontologist, and you have to be willing to become a student or a teacher or a learner in order to become a gifted paleontologist. How many of you are distracted by my outfit? <laughs> okay, I'm going to take this off, and I was wondering how this transition would work, but you're also interested how this whole thing works, so I'll just kind of show you, okay? So these are removable hands. Uh, you can buy this for $59.99 on Amazon. Um, it will come to you within a day if you're a Prime member. Very exciting. Um, I've never bought a dinosaur costume before, or an adult costume for that matter, uh, but now I'm the proud owner of this. So um, if you are ever wanting to borrow it, I mean, come on over and you can borrow this from me. So then on the inside here, um, yeah, it's quite involved. There's actually a lot of really interesting inflatable costumes on Amazon. Uh, you can be someone that rides a unicorn, and it literally looks like you're riding a unicorn. It's quite impressive. Uh, but then on the inside here, see, I, have, I actually have two packs today. But this is the little fan battery pack. You remove the, the thing, and you put batteries in, and this is now what powder, powers a fan. And there's a fan quite literally inside there blowing. So I'm feeling quite cool this morning. Uh, Maybe both types of cool, <laughs> temperature-wise and, uh, you know, just neat and cool, that sort of thing. But anyways, here is my uh, dinosaur costume, my T-Rex costume. Now, growing up, I absolutely love dinosaurs. You can see here on the screen some, what, what, what kind of dinosaur is that last one called? Can anyone tell me? If you watched The Land Before Time, I mean, it's very easy, but what's that? 
Littlefoot, this is Littlefoot. But what's, what, maybe someone, maybe someone here, what's, what is it? A Brachiosaurus, very good, yes. And how about another one? Let's do another one. What is this one called? Sarah, yes. Sarah works, what else? A Triceratops, yes. We are, we are big dinosaur people in our home. We, we study dinosaurs. We're in the business of becoming paleontologists. But we're very, in, and then this, then we have this, of course, is the T-Rex, which is, which is what I was. And as I said, if you want to be a paleontologist, how many kids here want to be a paleontologist? You can raise your hand if you want to be a person that studies dinosaurs. Right there, yes, Mimi wants to become a, a, a wonderful uh, student of the dinosaurs and be a paleontologist. That is excellent. Now, here at, in our gatherings, we've been talking about what it means to follow Jesus. And we've been figuring that out by first looking at what the gospel is. Now, in City Kids, you know what the gospel is because you study it every week. And you also have these slides and pictures that help you understand what it is. So can anyone tell me, uh, if you're from City Kids, what the first part of the gospel is? Does anyone remember? If you don't remember, it's fine. That's why we need to keep gospeling each other. We learn this, right? The first one is God rules. How many of you have seen this before? God rules, right? We, we learned that God created the world. He created us, his kids, in his image, and that he rules the world in creation. It's beautiful. What happens after God rules? Does ever, anyone remember now that I'm reminding you? What's the second part? You can put it up on the screen, Peter. We sinned. We broke our relationship with God. God had a vision for how we would live in relationship with him, and he gave us an opportunity to choose him or not. But then we broke that relationship, and we sinned. What happens next? Does anyone remember from the slides? What's the next part? Show us, Peter. God provided that rather than us needing to provide a way for us to get back to God and restore that relationship, that God provides for you and for me to be, have our relation back with him. What about the next part? Put it up on the screen. Jesus gives. Jesus gives us his life. He gives us the gift that we could not acquire for ourselves. And then the last part, the fifth part is this, is that we respond. We say, do I believe in Jesus or do I not believe in Jesus? And what we've been learning is that when you believe the gospel, that changes our identity. We become different people. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at different ways that we change. And the first way, as we saw on our next screen, is that you and I, because we've been adopted by God the Father, we become family. We're brothers and sisters. What I want you to do is pat the person next to you and say, hey there, brother. Hey there, sister. Hey there, brother. Hey there, sister. We also learned last week that through the Holy Spirit that you and I become missionaries, that we go into our world in Guelph and beyond, and we tell people about Jesus because we're missionaries. So we get to do that. And then today what we're talking about is that you and I, we become disciples of Jesus. Now, can anybody tell me what you think a disciple is? You can raise your hand, and now I can actually see you. What is a disciple? Anyone have any idea? I'm hearing different things. What is a disciple? Adults, you can get engaged too. Well, we have one back here. What is a disciple? What's that? Shout it out. A learner. 
A disciple is a learner. That's why I put on this costume, right? That was my whole point of wearing that costume, other than it's like super fun, is to illustrate that somebody who's a paleontologist is a learner about dinosaurs. And when we decide to follow Jesus, we become disciples and learners who follow Jesus, and we become his apprentices. In the Bible, actually, there's only three times that followers of Jesus are called Christians, but there's over 200 times that we're called disciples. And the reason that that is is because when you choose to follow Jesus, you become a learner, a student, and an apprentice of Jesus. I also want to introduce then what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, and it's this. It's movement towards Jesus, an apprentice of Jesus Christ who is moving towards Jesus. Here's some wonderful quotes from some smart people that are out there in the world. First one is this, a learner who's following Christ You learn by following, and that means since we are finite and God alone is infinite, there's never a place in the journey where we stop learning. As a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, we never stop learning. You can never make it. You're always going to be learning. Secondly, what do we also learn about disciples? It's one who adheres to Christ. That's Dietrich Bonhoeffer, wonderful man. One who adheres to Christ, and then final definition— desires above all else to be like him, that is Jesus. And that's from Dallas Willard. And so whether you are a little follower of Jesus, a little disciple of Jesus, or an older disciple of Jesus, we are all on this journey of learning more and more what it actually means to follow Jesus. Now, what we're going to talk about today are three characteristics of what it means to be an apprentice or a student of Jesus. And to have our first one, I need to show you a video of what is one of the favorite television shows in my home. Okay? So here we go. You can play it. Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol, we'll be there on the double. Whenever there's a problem, Round Adventure Bay, Ryder and his team of pups. Come and save the day. Marshall, Bubble, Chase, Rocky, Zuma, Sky. Yeah, they're on the way. Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol, whenever you're in trouble. Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol, we'll be there on the double. No jobs too big, no pups too small. Paw Patrol, we're on a roll. So here we go. Paw Patrol, uh-oh. Paw Patrol, How many of you like and watch Paw Patrol? You can put your hands up. Okay, couple of questions. Who is your favorite pup? You can raise your hand and tell me who your favorite pup is. Yes. Sky? Okay, who else? What's your favorite pup? Anderson? Chase, okay, the police pup. Rocky? Yes? Ryder, he's not a pup, but he is the leader. We'll talk about that in a minute. How about, how about you? Sky. Okay. Now, for those of you that do not watch Paw Patrol every day, um, you might be confused as far as what Paw Patrol is all about. Here's what Paw Patrol is. There is a leader of the Paw Patrol. It's Ryder. He seems to own the pups or at least have a big share in their lives. And so Ryder is the one in Adventure Bay. Uh, Adventure Bay is where they live. And in Adventure Bay, there's always problems happening. It's like our own world. There's all these problems that are happening. And whenever that there's a problem, people call Ryder because Ryder is awesome, obviously. And they call Ryder and they say, Ryder, we need your help. Would you please come and help us? 
That's uh, Mayor Goodway, of course. And so they, Ryder responds, and then what Ryder does is he says, Paw Patrol! to the lookout, right? Paw Patrol to the lookout. And then you get the theme song. Everybody goes to the lookout. They go up this elevator. They change their outfits. They get to the top and they're ready to go. And then Ryder identifies for everybody and he says, listen, this is the problem that we have. Beautiful animated graphics that he's created in such a short period of time. And he beautifully illustrates for the Paw Patrol what they need to do in order to solve the problem. And then what he does is he tells which of the pups are going to participate. And so then what the pups do is they say, yeah, we'll do it. And so then they begin to follow the plan of Ryder. And this is one of the first characteristics of disciples of Jesus, is that we follow our leader Jesus. We do what he says. We follow his plan. When he says, this is the way that I want you guys to do things, we say, okay, this is the way that it's going to be done. We follow our leader Jesus because he is our leader. Okay, so that's the first characteristic of a disciple. They follow their leader like the pups follow their leader who is Ryder. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, I need you to all stand up, okay? If you can, if you can. Okay, this is a game that is very fun, and I'm probably gonna need to get on the stage for this one. Okay, so some of us are maybe familiar with this game. It's called Simon Says, okay? And so what we're going to do is we are going to play Simon Says. Now, here's what you have to do. If you've never played Simon Says before, um, it's too bad, but welcome. We're going to play Simon Says. Okay, so what I'm going to be Simon, and when Simon tells you to do something, you're going to do it. But if Simon does not tell you to do something, you're what? Not going to do it. Okay, so let's start with an easy one, okay? So Simon Says, rub your stomach. Mmm, anyone hungry? How's that feel? Feels good? Pat your head. Oh, see what I did there? Okay, so... If, if, uh, if at that point you started patting your head, that means you're out. But that was only a tester, okay? All right, so Simon says, stop rubbing your tummy, okay? So Simon says, start patting your foot. Simon says, rub your tummy. Simon says, rub your head. Mess up that hairdo. Jump up and down. Oh, okay, if you're jumping up and down, you need to sit down because Simon didn't tell you. Okay, and the others of you can stop doing what you're doing. Okay, uh, Simon says clap. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Simon says bow. Bow. Uh, do the jumping jacks. Anybody? Daryl, that was an easy one. All right, all right. Okay, everybody, you can sit down. We won't keep going. Now. The, the very competitive ones. Hey, you all sat down. Hey, you guys win. Hey. Yeah, Evans, you guys crushed that one. Well done. You all sat down and Simon didn't tell you to. Very good. That even caught me off guard. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The second characteristic of followers of Jesus is followers of Jesus do what their teacher says. Learners and followers, we do what our teacher says. When, when Jesus says, I want you to go and do this, we follow his example by him leading us, but then we also do what he says. It's the most important thing of being a disciple. Now, you might be asking the question, well, how do I know what Jesus is going to tell me? And this is how we can know what Jesus wants us to tell us. Jesus said this to the Jews who had believed in him. He said this, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. 
Abide means to rest, to remain. And so Jesus is saying, when you remain and when you trust in my word, you are truly my disciples, when you follow my word. Now that means we can find out about Jesus' word in, guess what? The Bible, right? We can trust Jesus and know what he says in the Bible. Now, next, next example, Lego. How many of you like Lego? Raise your hand, okay? So up here on the screen is some instruction manuals for the Lego creator of, obviously it's, uh, it's uh, holiday themed, right? Christmas themed. And so when you open up a Lego set, you, depending on the size of the Lego set, it also, oh, go back to the last one, Peter. You're gonna see in the bottom left-hand corner, this is all learning for me. I don't know if it was like this when I was a kid, but the bottom left-hand corner, see where the little elf is? There's number one and there's number two. And so what Lego does is they're brilliant, is they have a section of the, the instructions and pieces that are one, and you match one with the book that says one on it, and then two is also another group of Lego pieces that matches the book with number two. And what you need to then do, and this is the next, the next picture, is you need to follow the individual instructions, right? You start with one, you go to two, you go to three, you go to four, you go to five, you go to six, and you go to seven. Now, why do you do that? Because you follow the instructions, and what you do is you trust the instruction manual that if you follow the instructions, at the end of it, you'll have what you anticipate you bought. So maybe that's the Santa um, play area, play set, or maybe it might be something else. Now, how many of you and this is for kids involved too. How many of you have ever been following the Lego instructions and you said, this is really strange. I do not know how this is going to help with us getting to the end. How many of you have ever done that? You know what? That's a lot like life sometimes where we read, where we read God's word and we're like, I don't really understand how this is going to help or make sense of the wider picture. But what you do is you trust the instructions and you go from one part to the next part, hoping and trusting that when you get to the end, everything will come together. Okay, so that's the second characteristic of followers of Jesus. We do what our teacher says. The third characteristic we are going to learn from this next clip from Toy Story 3. This is Jessie, the roughest, toughest cowgirl in the whole West. She loves critters, but none more than her best pal, Bullseye. <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> Here. This is Rex. The meanest, most terrifying dinosaur who ever lived. Roar! Roar! <laughs> the Potato Heads, Mr. and Mrs. You gotta keep them together because they're madly in love. Now Slinky here is as loyal as any dog you could want. And Ham, he'll keep your money safe. But he's also one of the most dastardly villains of all time. Evil Dr. Porkchop! These little dudes are from a strange alien world, Pizza Planet. And this is Buzz Lightyear, the coolest toy ever. Look, he can fly. Oh, and shoot lasers. He's sworn to protect the galaxy from the evil Emperor Zerg. Now, you gotta promise to take good care of these guys. They mean a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
As I can remember, he's brave, like a cowboy should be, and kind and smart. But the thing that makes Woody special is he'll never give up on you, ever. He'll be there for you, no matter what. You think you can take care of him for me? Okay then. Attacking the haunted bakery. Pew, pew, pew. The ghosts are getting away. <laughs> Woody, stop them! Buzz like you're the rescue. Something tells me Toy Story 3 will be well-rented this week. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. So, what I want to do is ask you a question. When, when we watch and we can take in these kids' shows, have you ever stopped to ask the question, who is the rescuer in this show? This is one thing I try to figure out when I'm watching things with my kids. Who is the rescuer? Because I want to help expose what the gospel is to my kids. Now, when you're watching this, the rescuer could be Andy, right? He is, he is rescuing, in a sense, Bonnie by bringing her the toys. But I think, in actuality, who we see as the rescuer is Woody. Did you hear what Andy says about Woody? He says this, Woody, he has been my pal for as long as I can remember. 
He is brave, like a cowboy should be, and kind and smart. And then he says this, but the thing that makes Woody special is he'll never give up on you, ever. He'll be there for you, no matter what. You see in this story what we see, it's the final characteristic of disciples of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus and followers of Jesus, they share their teacher and what they've learned from their teacher with other people. They share what they've learned and they share their teacher with other people. Now, obviously the way that this breaks down is that when you give Jesus to somebody else and you share the ways of Jesus with somebody else, Jesus does not now not be with you. He is everywhere. But followers of Jesus, when we learn the value and the importance and the significance of our teacher, we can't help but share our teacher and their ways with other people. And that's what Andy does with Bonnie. He says, Bonnie, you need to have these toys. And here's what you need to know about Woody. He'll never give up on you. And as disciples of Jesus, we are called to do the same thing, to share our teacher and his ways with other people, reminding those that Jesus will never give up on you. So three characteristics of followers of Jesus. They follow their teacher, they do what their teacher says, and they share their teacher with others and the things that they've learned from their teacher. Now, always in a message like this, it's easy to feel kind of like guilty, like I haven't done a good job following my teacher this week. And that just takes us back of a reminder of what the gospel is, that Jesus provides for us what we could not provide for ourselves, and that he forgives us, and he knows that we fall short, but he loves us anyways, and he loves you anyways. I want to read for you now my favorite story from the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it's an incredible reminder of Jesus being there with us through it all, our incredible teacher being there with us through it all. And this is Sally Lloyd-Jones version and rendition of Psalm 23. So if you want, you can close your eyes. Maybe you're like, I can't close my eyes because my kids are running around. If you're a little kid and you're part and you're with us here, I would love for you to maybe even close your eyes at this point and just listen to this beautiful story of Psalm 23 and the reminder of who God is and that he's there for us no matter what. God is my shepherd and I am his little lamb. He feeds me He guides me. He looks after me. I have everything I need. Inside, my heart is very quiet, as quiet as lying still in soft green grass in a meadow by a little stream. Even when I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, I won't be afraid because my shepherd knows where I am. He is here with me. He keeps me safe. He rescues me. He makes me strong and brave. He is getting wonderful things ready for me, especially for me, everything I ever dreamed of. He fills my heart so full of happiness, I can't hold it all inside. Wherever I go, I know God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love will go Two. Let's pray. So we thank you, Jesus, that you invite us to follow you. And when we follow you, we become your disciples, learners, apprentices, people that are moving towards you. We thank you that we never make it, but you love us regardless. 
And we want to today say that you are our shepherd, and because you are our shepherd, we do have everything that we need. May we trust you, and may we follow you each and every single day as we follow your lead, as we do what you say, and as we share you and your ways with other people around us. We love you. We thank you that that we are your kids. I pray that we would never forget that we are children, that you are our father, and so may we be children before you, we pray. In your name, amen.